Welcome to another episode of Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights here with Jeff Wilson of Sports Card Investors, uh, a podcast I really enjoy and I hope you do too. He's got sponsors and he can tell you about his sponsors, but I'm going to tell you about my sponsors. Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, COMC.com, and last and certainly not least, Beckett.com. Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Beckett Media, all these different Beckett entities that I used to know so well, and now I, uh, I'm i just uh, an advisor, they say. <laughs> but uh, Jeff, uh, happy to have you here again. We talked before, but this episode, let's let's start off talking about your podcast. And uh, I don't feel like I'm in competition with any other podcast. I think there's, if anything, there's a, there, there could be a synergy, because I, I listen to these other podcasts, of which there are maybe 10, that I, 10 or 12 yeah. that I listen to, and they're all good in their own way. Yeah. Yours has a niche. I think the fact that, uh, well, I mean, you have a niche. So tell us about your niche. And again, it sounded like, from our previous discussion, that, that there was some real thought behind it. Yeah, there was. So when I got back into the hobby, you know, I, as I mentioned before, really, really big in the hobby as a kid, got back into the hobby a couple of years ago, um, and as I really started exploring the hobby, I got, I got very interested in the hobby from a investment standpoint, being now a, you know, established business person and having done a lot of investing myself in the tech sector with tech startups, I couldn't help but look at cards and say, you know, what is the investment potential here? Where could some of these cards go? And there's so many aspects of the hobby today that in my opinion, make investing in modern cards uh, much, much more feasible, much more strategic, you know, things obviously like the scarcity, the serial numbering, um, you know, I, the, you know, autographs that, you know, can enhance value of cards, mm-hmm. grading, obviously grading is a huge differentiator, uh, in the hobby today that makes, in my opinion, investing much more possible and feasible than it was back when I was in it as a kid. So I looked at this and I said, there's great potential here. And so then my next thing was just to consume as much information that was out there as possible about the hobby. And what I found was several other great podcasts. Yes but none that were really laser focused on investing. They were, most of the other podcasts I found had great angles. They were either talking about, you know, what's happening in the sports world today and, and you know, what's happening with kind of new products coming out and that type of thing. Or they were talking about, you know, lessons learned. Obviously yours does a great job of kind of being an oral history from so many uh, years of experience in the hobby. So great, great different areas these podcasts were exploring. But I said, where is the kind of investing focused one? And since it wasn't there, I said, you know yeah. what, I'm going to start it myself. Well, we, uh, back in the day, you know, I, I have lots of investment advice in my own mind, but basically when you're doing the price guides, when you go back a number of decades, it'd be uh, unseemly, unsavory for me to all of a sudden say, Hey guys, we're going to price the cards. We're going to publish the magazines. And then next weekend, we're going to go up and buy, you know, all the stuff or we're going to recommend to our friends. So we had to have a real strict conflict of interest policy, but now, you know, it's a question of, of, uh, people go to a show and they don't know what to buy and you are helping them. And again, I, I meant it. It's, it's a little bit audacious to say, well, you're talking about your experience and you're recommending things Mm -hmm. that are easy, that are, that are uh, uh, digestible. So I think you're packaging it in a good way and your title screams that if this is what you're about, Mm -hmm. I'm here to help you. Now, why did you choose to do, it seems like you're more, I only listen. So I don't YouTube it or, do any of the video uh, options, but to what extent did you choose to do consciously be video? Yeah. So I actually, even though mostly it's talking heads, it's interesting. It is more talking heads. It honestly is a little bit more of a podcast style of format, yeah. 
but I'm also doing the video, the YouTube series. Right. Uh, and it's the same show. So exactly. I, I record it for YouTube and then I take the Strip audio the track audio. and right. put that out to podcast. So the reason why I did it that way was because I didn't know what was going to garner more attention. So I said, I'll try both and see what catches on. I, at, I, at the same time, I also launched my blog, sportscardinvestor.com. Right. And so actually for the first several episodes, I was writing a blog post on sportscardinvestor.com that was essentially a summary of the episode. Then I was recording for YouTube. Then I was putting out the podcast. And I simply wanted to see what was going to build traction the quickest. The YouTube show won out very quickly. The YouTube show built traction very quickly. The podcast has had good traction as well, yeah. but its growth has been slower. And the blog has started to build traction as well, but its growth was slower but, too. But how did the YouTube, was it, did it grow virally? Uh, it grew virally. Or did you get some, uh, did you uh, goose it by some, uh, you know, SEM or SEO or something? I, I did not, I did not goose it. Now I will say that the title, the title of my show being sports card investor. Right. It ranks well in YouTube when you search for sports cards, uh, just naturally, because I've got sports cards in the title of my show. Um, YouTube, people don't realize, is the second biggest search engine on the planet. It's right behind Google is one, YouTube is second. More people search in YouTube than they do in Bing or through voice search on your iPhone or through any other type of search. YouTube is number two. So people are going into YouTube all day long and they're typing in keywords related to topics that they so want to see. They want to see about. something. They want to see something. So if you have a channel and videos that have a lot of words in them that people may be searching for, that helps you come up and that helps people start to find you. Um, that is true on YouTube. That's really not as true with a podcast because when yeah. you're, you know, so you're, when well, you're, they're, they're saying that podcasts are going to be more searchable and Apple's that, trying to move the direction yeah. of cataloging them and everything like that. But right now podcasts are not nearly as searchable. And so as a result, I think that's one of the reasons why my YouTube took off quicker. The second reason is when I, re when I had my first episode that really caught on, it was at the national. I went to the national this year and it was only about my fifth episode. I had yeah. I'd done my first four episodes. They all had had maybe a couple hundred views, but none of them, you know, nothing substantial. Then I went to the national and I actually set up a little camera, you know, on a tripod in the corner, a little mic. And I just did a quick episode about day one of the national, um, things I've learned and also like what I'm seeing, where I'm seeing deals, where I'm seeing opportunities and what my strategy was going to be, uh, starting day two to go cool. and try to, you know, try to find some of the good deals on cards I wanted. And that episode caught fire. Okay. And I think it caught fire because there were so many Even people. though you're talking, you're not, you're not GoProing it around no, I the show. You're, no. you're sitting in a corner. Yep. Uh, so that's all I was doing. It was, it, was, it was honestly, from a video standpoint, kind of boring. I was just yeah. sitting in the corner. Uh, and you could see the show behind me, which was yeah. cool. And people yeah. liked it. Yeah. But I think there were, there were so many people at home that weren't able to make it to the national. Right. That were really interested in learning what was right. going on at the national. That they were searching YouTube. The first day of the national yeah. for national and, and, and my video was popping up because it was one of the only ones out there right. and i gained a bunch of interest in subscribers that way and then from there every subsequent episode got more and more views because people started sharing them virally and right. a, a lot on social you know with friends all that type of thing amazing that that, that makes but did you start i started in july did you start in july? i started in july too yeah my first episode was july 22nd you realize again these again uh, I think if people have listened, they know these are unscripted and, and largely unedited. But I thought I'd put an invest something, investment or something in my title. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it against it because I thought, no, I think Sports Card Insights mm -hmm. captures what I want to say better. Mm -hmm. Is that I'm not always going to have investment advice, but I don't want to preclude that I won't. But if it's Sports Card Insights, I can talk about rarities. I can talk about yep. selling philosophies yep. without being strictly by this. Like, do you ever get men's health? Yep. This, mm -hmm. not that. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little tricky, even though nutritionally, I, I want the bad stuff sure. sometimes. And sometimes I just want cards that are not necessarily going to be the best investment, yep. but something I'm really yep. going to enjoy. 
Oh. And, and I try to with my episodes. So I, I do some episodes where I talk about, hey, these are five cards I'm buying and why I'm yeah. buying them. But then I always try to mix those in with doing other episodes where I talk more about kind of general philosophy about how you can find right. good deals on cards or that type of thing. So people who aren't as focused on, oh, I want to buy the hot modern player uh, who Jeff talks about, you know, they, they, there's still episodes where they can hopefully learn a lot and learn a lot of tips and tricks that can help you no matter if you're collecting modern or vintage, no matter if you're collecting star players or non-star players, rare cards or common cards, whatever it may be. Yeah, except that, like I said, I think your niche that you that you, that will broaden over time is to keep it simple enough yeah. that somebody can come in and have a good experience. And that is but true. But they come into a show and they're not overwhelmed. Yes. In fact, that's one of the problems with the National. And one of the reasons you got traction uh, is because 100%. it's an overwhelming thing. And 100%. so here's a guy... That's off to you. Mm -hmm. You're demystifying mm -hmm. the national for mm -hmm. some of these people who maybe have never been. I've yeah. been to every single one, yep. and it's still pretty overwhelming when you yep. walk in. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It's the, and it's an amazing sight to see. And for anyone out there listening, if you've not been to a national, it's a heck of a lot of fun and a great Definitely experience to walk around the show floor. I, I you know, I kind of have. I mean, I've been buddies with those guys for a long time. Our first tribute episode was about Mike Burkus, who was a yeah. close personal friend, and and so I, I go all the way back to the beginning of the national. So it's really worthy of promotion and support and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's just uh, I, I like what you're doing. Uh, what about your premium content? I mean, can you, do you, do you want to talk about that? Cause that's, that's a little yeah. bit controversial in some circles, but you seem like a guy that's reasoned through and, and purposefully chosen this uh, course and made mostly right decisions. So what's, what's the decision point there? So in a further attempt to demystify the market and to make it more accessible and allow people to understand it better, I've been investing. So I've been using some of my developers at my, at my primary company, 352 to uh, tap into some of the data sources available on the internet right now. One of the primary ones being eBay, you know, with their APIs and eBay sales and everything like that. And we are attempting to uh, map market trends so that we can see market trends in real time. Um, my general philosophy is with newer people coming into the hobby, with the people who have come in recently from who are looking at it kind of from an investment standpoint, what appeals to them is the concept of the sports card market looking more like the stock market. With and more fluidity or more, yes. more tracking real time, more real time, real time, tickers up and down daily charts, real time. That's what appeals to them. They want to see the movement of Patrick Mahomes. Great example. Uh, the Didn't morning StockX trying to do stock X. Like yes. That? And so a lot and of the, the new pit? companies, yes. And even com C is moving more in that direction. Like if you've been looking at, uh, you know, what Tim and, and, uh, check out my cards have been putting out on social media recently, right. they've been doing a lot of posts about like, you know, flipping and, you know, someone right. bought this card at ComC last month and then here's how it's gone up in value over the last 30 days because they're trying to appeal more and more yeah. to that niche because there's, yes, StockX, ComC, and I think you're going to see a lot of other companies come along that are trying to appeal to that as well. So so that's the, the premium content that I'm building is really around that. It's really around people who are going to be interested in knowing what cards are moving. You're going to give them an edge. You're going to try to yep. give them an edge. And if you give them an edge that, yep. that is something that works, they would be willing to pay for that. And that's exactly... That's, but that's again, the time is of the essence there. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm more of a long tail guy and it's impractical. Uh, there's, there's probably an algorithmic solution, mm -hmm. but uh, would you have to have a relationship with eBay in terms of, or would you be scraping? Or No, eBay, eBay has an open API. Um, obviously, there are certain terms and conditions you have to comply with, but they have an open API where you can get data from the last 90 days. Um, if you want to get data longer than that, you have to build a relationship with them. And that's something that I'm aspiring okay. to, to do. Um, but they have an open API, so you can actually go in and get a lot of this type of information. Um, and there's a lot of sites out there right now that are pulling sales histories and that kind of stuff from eBay. 
I just try to take the analysis of that to the next level by looking at it from more of a kind of a market standpoint rather than looking at it from a individual card standpoint and, and trying to, so I'm, I'm still looking like at velocity, individual cards, but velocity I'm, as well as yeah. velocity movements of this card compared to this card compared to this card, and then trying to map it back to maybe what has triggered that movement as well. So that, you know, uh, what are, day what are trading. the, yeah. So I, I think, I, I think that's where a lot of the newer people coming to the hobby are interested in, in seeing mm-hmm. it go. You're getting a lot of daily fantasy sports players flooding into the hobby right now. And yeah. that's what they're used to when they play daily fantasy sports. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought there were tie-ins there, but mm-hmm. then somebody will do that. We'll see. We'll see what happens with StockX. Yeah. It's, it's early in the game there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, like I said, I, I don't, I, I love, you know, I love the p- fact that people are doing things. Mm-hmm. They're not contemplating or they're not pontificating. They're putting their money where their mouth is and yeah. they're starting things. And again, that's one of the things I appreciate about what you're, you're doing, Jeff, is that, uh, you're jumping out there and you're approaching it as a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, I've, been back and forth with others about, is this a hobby or is it a business? The answer is yes. Yeah, it can be both. It's both. Uh, but some of the things that make it a hobby make it a business that is counter-instinctual. Mm-hmm. But in the part of the matrix you're dealing with, it's very instinctual. Mm-hmm. It's it's very visceral. It's very uh, limbic. You know, people say, I see it, I want it, it's going up. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's a very simple thing. And so again, I, my hat's off to you for uh, demystifying uh, what could be a, a daunting industry. And uh, again, listeners, uh, check out Sports Card Investors with uh, Jeff Wilson, a regular uh, twice a week. Are you pretty uh, much? Tw- twice a week, yep. Yeah. So twice a week podcast and YouTube. And uh, I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying visiting with uh, Jeff right now. Jeff, we'll do it again. Thanks again Looking for your, uh, your uh, candid remarks. Look forward to seeing these new initiatives that you're bringing forth. Thank you.